One can research Roman crucifixions, and the study is exhaustive, to say the least. The death by crucifixion is a well-thought-out science, albeit a horrifying one. And it's at this point that we meet Jesus of Nazareth. On the cross, dying breaths, flesh torn open, the weight of the sin of the world on his shoulders, that Jesus decides to take the time to teach us a really important lesson on forgiveness. You're listening to Drilling Down, a podcast dedicated to finding the truth in every topic we explore. Be a part of the show. Follow this podcast on Facebook at Drilling Down Radio. You'll find surveys, upcoming show announcements, and a place for you to weigh in on our discussions. Thank you for making this podcast part of your day. Forgiveness is a tough one. Maybe it's because it resonates with each and every one of us, and there's just so many different levels of hurt, of pain, uh, so many different situations that individuals are in. You could have someone with a son or a daughter that was molested. You could have someone with the pain of a divorce or infidelity or a spouse just leaving or someone that badmouthed you or someone that hurt you in such a profound way that I could never pick up the pieces for you in a podcast. So that's what makes it so difficult. I know as you listen to this on Drilling Down that there are definitely some of you who are open to forgiveness. And I hope, and my prayer is that as you listen to this, you, you may not agree with all of it, but at the most... I pray that you're able to start a process of forgiving. I also know that there's some of you right now with arms crossed because what you would tell me is that you have experienced the unforgivable. I get it. You've been hurt. I mean, you trusted them. You loved them. You were wronged. You were betrayed. I know that some of you can't forgive because you can't let it go, maybe even though everyone else has. I hope that I can help. Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. Jesus says, if you forgive others for their trespasses, if, if you forgive those who really hurt you, he says, your Father in heaven, God, is ready to forgive you. But if you don't forgive them for what they've done to you, Neither will your father forgive your trespasses, your sins. Now, this is not an eternal damnation statement by Jesus. This is simply saying, look, I've wired you a really certain way. As my creation, we're created in the image of God. We're designed a very specific way. I don't know if you knew that or not, physically, to not carry some of the things you're carrying inside right now. You're not designed for it. How do I know this? I know this because Jesus taught forgiveness for a very specific reason. But the problem is 
we are really stubborn people. You know that you are. I am as stubborn as it comes when it comes to thinking I'm right most of the time. Or that that person who did that to me needs to pay. You got to get out of the way of yourself at the start of forgiveness. I think it's important to talk about what forgiveness is and what it isn't before we get into anything else because this is a big deal. Now, I'm coming at this from a biblical perspective, obviously. Forgiveness is not letting that offender off the hook. Okay? We can hold these people accountable. We actually should biblically hold these people accountable, especially other Christians, for their actions or sometimes for their lack of actions. Okay? So, forgiving them isn't just letting them go scot-free off the hook. Forgiveness isn't letting the offense occur over and over again for you to become a human punching bag. You don't have to tolerate that. Nor should you keep opening yourself to it. If there's a level of physical abuse, absolutely do not keep letting that happen. Mental abuse, emotional abuse, okay? Forgiving someone doesn't mean that you let that happen over and over again. Forgiveness is not the same biblically as reconciling. Yeah. See, we can forgive someone even if... (laughs) Listen to me. Even if we never get along with them again. Even if we don't like them. We don't have to hang out with them. Forgiveness is not reconciling. I think a lot of people get confused because they think forgiveness is a singular event. Where they come to that point where they forgive that person and then that's it. That's not the case at all. Forgiveness is a process. It's not an event. You know, it's going to take some time, I'm telling you right now, to work through whatever emotional problems you have before you can truly forgive. And as soon as we can, we should decide to forgive. But it probably isn't going to happen right after the tragic event. That's okay. It's going to take some time. It's a process. And lastly, this is really important. I've had to deal with this in my life. Forgiveness is not based on anyone else's actions, but it's based on your attitude. People are going to continue to hurt you through this life. And we can either look, you know, outward at them and stay stuck and stay angry, or we can keep our minds on a loving relationship with God, knowing and trusting that He's going to help us work through this. After all, it's the way you're designed. Jesus says in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verse 28, pray for those who hurt you, those who curse at you. Pray for those who hurt you. (laughs) Yeah, I'll pray for them. Dear Heavenly Father, please give them the worst case of hemorrhoids in human history. Lord, give them gonorrhea or syphilis. Anything really that's disgusting. Amen. (laughs) Really? 
I prayed that prayer. Jesus was completely countercultural. He was <laughs> counter anything that our human hearts and minds, when it comes to this unforgiveness, retaliation, revenge, he was actually counter everything that we want to do. Jesus says, pray for the one who molested your family member. Love the one who screwed you over royally and ruined your name and ruined your life. Forgive the one, he says, who laughs at you and left you with nothing. You, he says, lift up the one who ripped your heart out when you were the most vulnerable. Pray for the one you hate the most. Did someone abuse you? Pray for them. Did someone take advantage of you? Pray for them. Did someone abandon you? Pray for them. Did someone lie about you? Pray for them. Why did Jesus teach this? Why pray? Craig Eschel said at one time, the right attitude precedes the right actions. <laughs> you got to pray yourself up. You got to have the right attitude before you even try to do the right thing. I'm going to tell you right now, Kyle Gray needs to have his heart change before I ever get close to doing the right thing. <laughs> Daily, in any situation, the right attitude precedes the right actions. Are you waiting until the right time to forgive somebody? You know, when it just feels right or when they, how's this, ask you for forgiveness. I'll tell you that you're going against scripture if that's the case and you wonder why you've been a mess inside. If you're a Christian and you're going against the teachings of Jesus, Kyle, I would never disobey Jesus. Yes, you do. Every time you don't forgive someone and so do I. It's really hard to pray for people who have wronged you and I think the problem is these days, you're going to hear a lot about me talking about this in different podcasts. The problem is in our day, in our society, what we find our identity in. So I'll ask you, where do you find your identity? You know, who you are. Let me put it this way. What defines you? And if you need to pause this podcast and think about that, I, I hope that you do. What defines you? In other words, everyone else, when they think of your name, what do they think of? Pause it. Can come right back to me. What defines you? Is it your career? Is it your financial status? Maybe it's your healthy eating, <laughs> your workouts your state of your family and how it stacks up to others on social media. Maybe it's your looks. I mean, people find their identity in how they carry themselves. Maybe it's your clothes or we'll talk about this one in other podcasts. Maybe it's your perceived sexual orientation that you find your identity in. Is it your social status? Is it your marital status or not being married that identifies you? What makes you, you? Now, we've got to wrestle with that. We've got to We've got to kind of collide with that. 
because we have a problem with our identities these days, especially as Christians. Now, if you've answered anything other than one answer for what you find your identity in or what others would see as your identity, if you answer anything except for one word, you're wrong. As Christians, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior in our hearts, we say, look, we can't do enough good in this world to outdo our sinful nature, the bad. We're not going to earn our way to heaven. We need Jesus and a sacrifice on that cross, that resurrection three days later, okay? Come into my heart, Lord, as my Lord and Savior. When you, when you are a Christian, okay, you find your identity in Christ alone. That's the point. When we get to heaven, God doesn't see the sum of all your sins. He sees the sum of all his son's sacrifice. God sees Jesus, guys, reflected in you and in me. And since here's the deal, since our identity is in Jesus alone as a Christian, you got to forgive people because Jesus first forgave you. And if you don't find right now a godly and a biblically grounded way to deal with your past, I'm telling you this right now, mark my words, it's going to eat you alive. Again, because God didn't design us to carry the weight of our past. And if you let the pain from your past, this unforgiveness, all of this junk that's going on inside you, if you let that pile up inside your heart, it turns into a grenade that is going to blow up and is going to throw shrapnel on everyone around you. Is this you right now? James McDonald had a great point. One time I was listening to him teach on forgiveness. And he thinks that forgiveness has to be a crisis and a process. And I'd agree with that. The crisis comes in admitting that you have to be forgiven, first of all, right? <laughs> because we're all sin-filled. So you encounter that crisis, first of all, and you realize that Jesus forgave you. Therefore, he commands you to forgive others. So you've got you've to encounter the crisis that is, man, this person did this, but I've got to forgive them because I'm first forgiven. Now that crisis is then followed by a process. And the process is how you actually unroll that and how you live that out. Now the process can sometimes be ongoing. You encounter the crisis, which is I need to forgive this person. Okay, we're encountering that right now. I'm giving you that chance to do that right now. The process is what is yet to unfold. Is it baby steps. Okay. So the next time I see this person, I am going to treat them with love. It doesn't mean I'm going to get smacked around again. Okay. It just means I'm, I'm not going to treat them vengefully. Maybe that's part of the process. Maybe another part of the process is, and then I'm also not going to Uh, continue to talk about them and what they did to everyone around me. I'm going to let it go. Or at least I'm going to try. And I'm going to pray like crazy to do so. A lot of times the hardest part of the process is telling yourself that. 
not going over and over and over and over the event. It's a crisis and a process. I had a friend who said that. A pastor once told him, forgiveness, sometimes you just have to fake it until you make it. <laughs> and I, at first I was like, ah, I don't know, but I, 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 fine. If in some sense, for certain things, you have to just fake with this person. All the while you're praying, God, make this genuine, make this genuine, please. He will. I'd rather be faking it until I'm making it than not doing it at all because we're not designed to hold that in. Now, I've heard a lot of excuses online on Facebook uh, this week. I put it out there and I asked, what is the hardest thing about forgiveness? And a lot of people responded. A lot of people said, you know, I, I, I'm waiting for that person to say that they're sorry. And I will tell you that makes perfect sense to me. But that's not what Jesus taught. I have a I have a news flash for you. Nine out of 10 of those people that, that really hurt you are not coming back to say that they're sorry. So while you're waiting, this thing's turning into cancer. Some of these people are, are such selfish pigs. You know what they're doing right now? While you're just wrestling with this inside, they're out hurting someone the same way they hurt you. And they are not stopping for one second to think about you and your feelings and your emotions. They don't care. And so all you're doing is killing yourself over this. They're not worth that. People will say, I can't forgive, Kyle, because I can't forget what happened. I just can't ever get it out of my mind. I can't get it out of my heart. I can't erase those scars. Therefore, I can't forgive. And I would say, you probably got that one backwards. You can't ever forget it because you haven't been able to encounter that crisis and the process of actually forgiving them. I'm not saying that the memory won't ever go away. I'm not saying the hurt won't go away, but it won't, it won't be as painful as it is right now. God will take care of that. You'll get past it. A lot of these problems that we encounter as Christians, guys, are, are seriously because we want to be in charge. And that's my problem. I'm going to be brutally honest with you. I want to be in the driver's seat of my own life. Don't we all? I mean, don't we all want to be in the driver's seat of, of our success? Or when we have to dig ourselves out of a hole, we want to, we want to plan that out and go to work at it. It's no different when it comes to forgiving. We want to sit in that driver's seat. We, we want to say, I want to be in charge. I want to be in the driver's seat of my forgiveness and who I dole that grace out to. I want to be in the driver's seat. I want to make the calls on how much I forgive each person according to how much they've wronged me. I want to be in the driver's seat as far as my emotions and my pain level. And Jesus says, you got to put me there. Because every time you take over the wheel for yourself, all of these warning lights go off because you're not supposed to be driving. You are under the influence 
of sin. I was convicted by this thought, and I can't remember what pastor put it out there, but I, I had heard it at some point, and this is a great way to look at forgiveness from a Christian standpoint. <laughs> you ought to be the most forgiving person at your workplace. That's what you should be known for as a Christian. You ought to be the most forgiving person in your family, both your immediate family and your extended family. You should be, as a Christian, the most forgiving neighbor in your entire neighborhood. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> That's not. Yeah. And that's why Jesus says pray. He says, you want to know how to forgive? You pray first. There's a marriage class that we do at North Rock, uh, where I'm a pastor. And uh, every semester of small groups at our church, we, we run a marriage group that Jason Tucker and his wife Janelle uh, lead. And we've all been through that class. And there's this great point. I think it's um, Craig and Amy Groeschel do this marriage mentoring, kind of a five-week thing. And there's this great point where it's talking about how, as a married couple, you are inevitably going to, you know, get into a knockdown, drag out argument about something. It's, it's just inevitable. It's, it's life. And their challenge is when you encounter this, this heated argument, you stop everything before it gets going, just as it's getting good, and you pray. <laughs> and so we laughed about that in this group and then you know it was a five-week group so then we all kind of left and and one by one couples would come back for the next week a group and the, the big question everybody's laughing the big question is you know did it happen did you guys have a huge fight and and a few hands would go up they'd be like yes we did we had our huge fight this week all right all right, all right. And the next question's coming all right did you pray and one by one, they, they all stopped and they said, yes, we did. We prayed. And then the next question, every single week, all right, how'd it go? It was horrible. <laughs> it was the most awkward experience of our life. <laughs> so Rachel and I inevitably collided with a great argument. One of these weeks during group, it could have been right after the five-week session, but, you know, it happens. And your skin is boiling. I mean, here's the deal, guys. When, when you're fighting with your spouse, you know, when I'm fighting with Rachel, I'm fighting because I'm right and she needs to realize it. <laughs> so there's no backing down. It's pedal to the metal. It's go time. I am in the heat of the moment to win this argument. You know, we're, we're upset. And when you stop, and you do something so counter to the human nature, like Jesus says here, like he commands. When you do this, you immediately stop and pray. Number one, it's the most awkward experience of your life. <laughs> it sucks. You both sit there and pray and you're just so mad. 
It's super awkward. But number two, let me tell you something. It is completely and utterly disarming. And number three, God steps in immediately and diffuses it. (laughs) Now, it doesn't mean you solve the whole situation, but you pray. And it's amazing what prayer does. Oh, Jesus knew that. Oh, that's why he commanded us to pray at the start of forgiveness. Pray for your enemies. Pray for your heart to change. Why? Because your heart is poisoned. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you've been holding on to forgiveness for someone, it's poisoning you. That's what sin does. There is a great moment, um, kind of little studied, little talked about in the Old Testament, the book of Numbers, actually, where the Israelites... Uh, and I, I won't spend much time on this because we'll go into this for, for different podcasts, uh, different reasons on different episodes. But uh, there was a little plague happening, if you will, with uh, poisonous vipers that were in uh, quite the abundance where the Israels, Israelites were uh, encamped. And uh, people were dying. People were getting bit by these things. Um, I <laughs> There are a lot of... Uh, people who want to speculate and say that this was a um, a demonic attack, so to speak, with the fiery serpents, and uh, I'm telling you from the uh, from the Hebrew, from the language itself, these are just poisonous vipers. There is there is no uh, reason to go into anything uh, differently, but I'll tell you why people do, and they're a little misguided on the situation. It's because Moses is commanded by God. Okay. I want you to build this, basically, we won't spend, again, much time on this, but I want you to build this bronze idol, so to speak, if you will, statue, symbol of a snake. And you're going to put it high on this pole so that everyone in the whole camp can see it from far away. A bronze emblem of a serpent? What is going on here? And then the Israelites will pray when they see this, They'll look up if they've been bitten or if they're about to die from these things that are uh, a problem right now. I want you to look upon this bronze serpent and you'll be healed. Now, this is a, uh, again, I'm not much talked about miracle in the Old Testament, but it happened. And I will, again, a later podcast episode will be dedicated to some of this stuff, but this has nothing to do with the Garden of Eden and the serpent. Uh, because the Israelites didn't even have a Bible at this point. Yeah. So they weren't thinking Garden of Eden here. Okay. They were just simply thinking, I'm going to look upon this thing and I'm going to be healed. And they were. And Kyle, why are you telling me this story, obscure story from the book of Numbers? I'm telling you it because Jesus thought it was really important, important enough to bring it up. And Jesus brings it up and uh, he says, look, just as... God had these people look upon the thing that was poisoning them, that was killing them to heal them. Now you look upon me to be healed. Medical journals show how toxic emotions build up inside of us. This isn't, I mean, this isn't even Christian. This isn't Christian stuff. This isn't biblical stuff. This is medical journals. Well, well, you can go ahead and, and read it. Google it. Okay. Don't WebMD this stuff because you're going to think you have a, <laughs> you think you're going to have a tumor in your left nostril before long. WebMD, what's up with that? 
Medical journals show how toxic emotions build up inside of us. And, and when we harbor them inside, we have a great risk of many diseases, especially heart disease. And I'm not talking about long-term stress and all that stuff. I'm talking about just anger, hurt, holding that stuff inside. One five-minute episode of, of in, intense anger over someone, you know, let's say you're, you're, you're just, you're not forgiving. A five-minute episode of anger takes the human immune system over five hours to recover. And so Jesus says, I didn't design you for this. Pray, get that, get that poison out. And I know what you're thinking right now, that your prayers for others, man, what if it doesn't change these people? Who cares? That's not up to you. Your prayers may not change them, but I'm telling you this. It's always going to change you every single time. But Kyle, my heart's not in the right place. I think Corey Ten Boom said this, this quote that I've always remembered on forgiveness. Kyle, my heart's not in the right place. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can act regardless of the temperature of the heart. So no more excuses. And so I suppose that's why Jesus says, pray for those who hurt you. He says, pray. And then he says on the back end of praying for them, you're going to do it and you're going to forgive. And you're going to start that process. You're going to encounter that crisis. You're going to pray. And you're going to start that process of forgiving. Why? Because you have been forgiven first. Forgive because you have been forgiven first. And I don't know about you, but man, if I sat there and took a tally of how many things I need forgiven from, both from other people, from God, it is, well, it's depressing. I've been forgiven of so much. And you know what that feels like when someone forgives you? Imagine what it feels like when you're forgiven by Jesus Christ. I know that some of you right now, wherever you're listening right now, you're, uh, it's possible that your marriage is hanging on by a thread. And I'm sure there was some betrayal in there. There was deceit. Who knows what else? I can guarantee you there was pride and selfishness involved from all parties. And now it's time to pray for you and your spouse. You pray right now. Kyle, I've got, I've got biblical grounds for divorce. Well, guess what? You have got biblical grounds for forgiveness. It's your choice. You're going to let it eat you up, whatever, whoever did to you. You're going to let it poison you. You're going to let it make you bitter. Or are you going to recognize that if you, if you choose to start this process of forgiveness, it might not change that person. And it's, I guarantee you it's not going to change your past because you can't do that but it will change your future. There are so many tough situations that make our heart ugly and bitter. But I love that what the Bible says, there's this picture of forgiveness. All throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, it says when you have forgiveness, it's, it's equated with different, different words. Listen to these. Marvelous is when you forgive. Virtuous, it's liberating. It's loving. It's a change of attitude. It makes sense to the human body and, and the human mind to forgive in that it's healthy. It's wholesome. It's sensible. It's freeing. 
It brings peace. It helps grow love. That's why Proverbs 19.11 says, A man's foolishness is not to forgive. But Kyle, this, this thing inside of me that this person did, it's, it's too big. It's too ugly for me to forgive. I would say that is all the more reason why you need to get it out. Because it's growing inside of you. And let me tell you what, we all know it and we see it and we don't want that for you. Get it out right now. You pray and then you start the process. Don't fool yourself because it's inside of you and you think that you can close it over. Don't do that. If something was growing on your face and every day it started to get bigger uh, and uglier and redder and hairier and more grotesque and every single day there was more pus oozing out of this thing and every single day there were more and more people at your work and with your family and every time you looked in the mirror that these people would look at you and say what is going on with that thing on your face tell me what would you do would you just ignore it No, you'd be going to the doctor and you'd be saying, get this thing off my face. I don't want it anymore. Take it away. Some of you have that thing growing inside of you right now. Psalm 103 verse 12 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far does God remove our transgressions from us. God takes our sins and throws them as far as the east is from the west. I'm asking you to do that right now. Just pick one thing that you've been hanging on to that you need to offer forgiveness up to. Pick one thing and pray for it. Encounter that crisis, but start that process and take that thing that person did. I want you to cast it as far as the east is from the west. Remember, this is not so that you're a punching bag. This is not you letting them off the hook. None of that. This is you in your heart saying, I'm going to let this thing go. I've had some people tell me, Kyle, I just can't do it. That person, they got to pay. They don't deserve it. I'm going to tell you right now that I am thankful as a Christian that when I get to heaven, Jesus is going to look at me. And I'm thankful he's not going to treat me like I treat everybody else. He's going to see himself in me because I'm forgiven. I'm glad we don't serve a God that acts like us. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 in the Bible says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness 
and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness comes at the price of a son, but it's not your son, it's not my son. It's not a human, sin-filled son. It's a divine one. One that chose to leave perfect harmony with his father and die a brutal death on that cross with that crucifixion. Dying breaths for one reason, forgiveness. And when you rob someone in your life of that, you rob God of his sacrifice. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of things that you're going to do wrong in this life. And there's a lot of things that I am going to do wrong along the way. But this better not be one of them. Forgiveness, according to the Bible, is not a suggestion. It is a command. Pray and start that process.